Your Story, the only podcast where our guests tell theirs with help of only 12 questions and ideally under 30 minutes. I'm Mike Salitro, your host. This week, we are thrilled to welcome Michael Whitehouse, aka the guy who knows a guy. Michael Whitehouse is the guy who knows a guy. In 2014, he came to Groton, Connecticut, knowing no one at all. A year later, after diving into networking with both feet, he was a major connector in the local community. In 2020, he went global and began connecting entrepreneurs, investors, speakers, and others around the world to people they need to know. He offers his services as a networking concierge, making connections and building strategic alliances around the world. He is the host of the Daily Morning Motivation Podcast and the Guy Who Knows a Guy Interview Podcast. Michael, welcome. We are thrilled to have you here this week. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. It's all exciting to be on a on a new podcast. Yes, we are new, and we need to know how one becomes the guy who knows a guy from not knowing a guy at all. How did that uh, process look? Well, fortunately for you and anyone who really wants to know, I wrote it in a book, so they can actually you can actually read the whole story. But the compressed version of the story of how I became the guy who knows a guy is that in 2014, I moved to Groton, Connecticut. And when I moved here, I knew absolutely no one. And the reason we moved here was that our situation had changed. Uh, a few months before, my, at, at that point, she was my wife, about to be my wife, um, my girlfriend and I decided, I think it's time we should have a baby. We're both in our 30s. Uh, you seem like a good match for me. I seem like a good match for you. And we're making the most money we've ever made. We're stable. This is the time to start a family. Well, you can imagine how that story goes. Nine months later, we uh, she left her job. I'd been fired from my job. And we moved to Groton because it's where she knew somebody who could get us into an apartment quickly enough for us to not be living on the street in between apartments. That's all we knew about where we we're going. We didn't know any people. We didn't know the town. We didn't know nothing. I had this idea that I was going to start a business, uh, kind of a consulting I, consulting business. I've since learned you actually need like a plan beyond just I'm going to do some kind of consulting, but I was young and foolish back then. And what I did know was I needed a network if I was going to do this. So I had some knowledge of networking. I'd been to BNI meetings. I'd been to some chamber meetings. I'd read some books. I'm like, all right, let's do this thing, turn it up to 11 because I had nothing else to do. So I just went all in on networking. I went to every business after hours, business before hours, business during hours. If there was a ribbon cutting, a hair cutting, a line cutting, I was going to be there and meet those people. And within nine months, I discovered that I was connecting people of note to other people of note. And I'm like, how do you not know each other? You both lived here for 50 years and you're nine miles apart, but we're in New England and New Englanders don't like to cross boundaries like, you know, rivers or town lines or the street. So I could connect people in one town to people in the next town over and be this super connector. Or I could go to an event in one town or event, event meeting, planning meeting, and hear some of the things they're doing. Then we go to an event planning meeting in the next town over and be a genius because they'd say, oh, how do we deal with this problem? And I'd say, well, there's this website that does this thing. Michael, how do you know so much? Well, I just went to a meeting yesterday and they had the same question, but they already found the answer. So I did that locally. And before I knew it, I was connecting people. I ended up writing the book because I realized I knew I was, I was doing something that was replicable and I wanted to share it. Uh, and the, the book started out as the guy knows a guy. 
and I was the author of The Guy Who Knows a Guy. And then I'd go to these chamber networking events and I'd put the book in the raffle and they'd introduce me as the guy who knows a guy. Because, you know, if you're running a chamber event and you have the chance to call one of the people who's there, the guy who knows a guy, the author of a networking book, you do because you want to make yourself sound good by making me sound good being at your event. So that's that's uh, how I was doing it in in local space. Uh, and I was really leveraging that for the business that I was running. Um, the last business I ran before the pandemic was publishing a community magazine. And it's funny because the people who ran the company that I was working with, they, they weren't really big on networking. They called it not working. And they're like, you can't just go to chamber events and network your way to success. Meanwhile, I'm over here, 75% of my business is coming from in-person networking because most people don't do it right. They go to chamber events and they drink the wine and eat the hors d'oeuvres and they say hi to some people and then they leave and they say, I was working. Uh, but I was able to leverage that and and was able to you know make a decent, decent living on, off that. So, so many questions there because that is a wonderful background, but I want to start at the end there. You mentioned that most people make the mistake of having a glass of wine, eating the hors d'oeuvres, and saying hello to a few people. And that's not the right way to do it. What is the right way to network, in your opinion? Well, so I, I actually, uh, kind of a, dovetailing that question, I'm launching a course right now called Networking Without Talking to Strangers. Uh, and I came up with this because for me, talking to strangers is the fun part. I'm a super extrovert. You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is introvert and 10 is extrovert, I'm like an 11 or 12. That's the fun part. So I'd never thought about how do I network without talking to strangers? And then I was doing a training for some bankers. Now, talking to strangers is not the fun part for them. And they're asking me questions like, how do I approach people in networking events? How do I start conversations? How do I talk to strangers? And I could tell what they really were asking was, could I possibly not talk to strangers? Is there a way I can do this without doing that? Because that part's just, I hate it. That's, that's not the fun part. And I realized that the effective part is not at those events, at those events are where you might meet someone. It's where, you know, you're flipping another card and rolling the dice and seeing maybe there's someone into that. But the real value, the real power of networking comes in making the connections and introductions. So it comes from actually talking to people and asking them, what connections can I make for you? How can I help you? And then when they tell you, then working your network to fulfill those connections, which helps them helps you meet more people, uh, builds your network, and that's where the real value happens. It's not just meeting people at random and hoping for the best. It's doing it intentionally. And I believe, actually, that's how we met. I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was for Conference 21 that uh, I think it was, it was Willie, um, Willie Mandrell, was involved with the summit. And so he introduced me to other people who were in the real estate space who would also be at the summit. It wasn't a random bumping into a cocktail party. It was, who do you know who can solve this problem for me? And one of the one of the solutions was this connection. And that makes a lot of sense not to just leave it at that initial and then to continue to bring value to the people that you're speaking with. How does the conversation on the other end look when you are kind of making those connections for someone else? Is there a science behind it or what, what has worked for you in the past? Uh, it's fairly simple, I find, when making the connections. Um, so, so a lot of people, they overthink it. They say, well, you know, what if it's not a good connection or what if it turns out to be a jerk or what if they're salesy or what if their product doesn't work or what if, what if, what if, what if I, when I make connection, I'm not necessarily endorsing someone. I am saying I met somebody. They seem like someone you should know. I, I, I'm very careful about recommending someone to do business with. So I will very rarely say, 
this person has a product you should buy. I Sometimes I will. But for the most part, I'm rarely going to say this person has a product you should buy or you should work with them. Instead, what I'll say is you should meet or I think you have something in common or you seem to work in a similar field or I think there's collaboration opportunity. Um, I leave very open-ended. I say both of you, there's reasons why I think you'll benefit from knowing each other. I think you should connect and talk and see what happens. And if something happens, great. And if nothing happens, all right, well, you met someone and hopefully it was cool. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but it, it's it's a matter of kind of being, you know, not not investing too much in the introduction, but simply make it. Because if you overthink it, you don't make enough. And if you only make two or three introductions a month, then those are all your introductions. And if one of them turns out to be a, a bad introduction, well, that's that's one out of your three introductions you made that once wasn't good. Whereas I'll make, I mean, I, I do five to 10 introductions a day, often more, especially because now I have clients who hire me to make introductions for them. Uh, so it's kind of my job. It's literally my job now. And not all of them turn out to be great. Some of them are good. Most of them are good. Some of them are amazing. You know, sometimes I'll hear back like, oh, this person was dead on. Find me 10 more people just like them. And I'm like, I'll try. Um, but, and then every once in a while, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, that wasn't great. Send me some more. So, but it's really, it's quite simple. I'll send usually an email. Um, if I know they're both on LinkedIn or both active on Facebook, uh, I'll, I'll do that. But email, you know, everyone uses email. So I don't need to worry about, do they check their email? Cause most people do. Uh, and I'll send an email and it'll be something like, you know, introduction, Mike, um, Mike Salitro and Joe Schmo. And then I'll say, Mike, I'd like you to meet Joe. I think, you know, you're, you both have podcasts and um, I think you might have some stuff to talk about. There's some collaborative opportunity. I recommend you connect, send. Um, and that's, it's that simple. And I'm sure some of those introductions just disappear into the void and some of them turn into amazing things. And, uh, you know, I, I don't worry too much about it because I'm, I'm pushing that good into the universe and I know that good things will come of it if I do enough of it. Good people connecting usually causes good outcomes. I, I like that you look at it as a, a focus to have a large quantity of introductions, not necessarily endorsements of, of these people should do business together, buy products of each other, but get to know each other, get to meet. And yep. therefore, the directions kind of are, are limitless there. That's, that's a nice approach. Uh, you mentioned the uh, guy who knows a guy book. What did you learn writing a book? Writing a book, uh, I learned that I'm really bad at following up on projects. No, I already knew that. That's when I got my ADHD diagnosis, that became pretty clear. Um, so part of the idea of writing the book was at the time I was writing it, I was working for a Minuteman Press franchise as a salesperson. I'm not sure I dignify the job with the title of salesperson, actually. I was technically a marketer. Now, do you know the difference between a marketer and a salesperson? I'd like to hear your distinction. Marketers are primarily lead generation, not deal creation. So it's about how many people you can talk to, not how many deals you can bring in. A marketer is kind of like a salesperson, but not as respected. You're like, what? I didn't think salespeople were that respected. Yeah, it's a step below that. So my job was to make 10 new contacts a day. There were not physically enough businesses in the area to do that after a year, but that's what I was supposed to do. And that was quite the opposite of networking. It was quite the opposite of using my 15 years of marketing knowledge uh, and 
I'd talk to people and I'd say, oh, by the way, you know, I know all this stuff. I've done all these things. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I need 50 business cards. Go, go print them for me. Tell them why. And I said, you know, I bet if I wrote a book with all this stuff I know, I would stop being a print salesman and I would then be an author. So I set about to writing the book and my plans were thwarted because before the book got published, I got hired as a marketing manager for a startup. So I never got to find out just how much prestige the book itself would would bring me. Um, but the the great thing about having a book is that once you write a book, you're an author. Now, my book self-published. I used, It was called Create Space at the time. It's Kindle Direct Publishing now. Um, nobody had to approve my book. I didn't have to pay for my book. I simply put it on the internet and had a book. Still made me an author. And, you know, some people have told my book's pretty good. So I think it is actually good. But... There's actually a line in my book, which is this book could contain the phrase, I'm a baked potato 50,000 times, and I would still be an author and people would still look at me that way. Um, and and you know, I, I had a friend um, who told me that everyone should write a book and that's part of her business. She would help people write their book because every business owner should know enough to fill 50, 80, 100 pages with the knowledge of what they do. And if you have that knowledge, you should make a book and then, you know, a book wholesale costs about three bucks uh, to get from CreateSpace. And so anyone you meet who you want to build a relationship with, you don't even business card, you give them a copy of your book. People throw a business card in the trash. You can't throw a book in the trash. What are you, a monster? So now they're holding on to it. And six months later, they're like, oh, right, here's that guy's book. Yeah, it's that guy with the book. That is a wonderful way to upgrade the business card. A little bit more work on the front end, but mm -hmm. I do think it would be much more impressive to hand over a book Yep. that says, hey, I'm an author, not just a business card holder. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned not or networking with non-strangers. Is that a philosophy or is that just knowing everybody in the room or how, how, is, that, how is that taught? So it's a, it's a strategy. Well, I can't go too much into it because then no one will take the course. No, I'm happy to tell you everything. Um, so, so it's a strategy. Uh, it's the, the concept of it is that the real power happens when you're actually making those intentional connections. So I was thinking, and as I said, I devised this during a training on stage, virtual stage, but on stage, and I'm suddenly realizing like, wait a minute, I don't have to put these people who don't wanna to talk to strangers through this. They could just not talk to strangers. It's about the connector mindset. And I talk about this in the book that you can become a connector when you decide to be a connector. It's that simple. When you say, I'm gonna be a connector. And there's a story that happened early on that really exemplifies this. And this was back in, I don't know, a month, two months in to when I first started, you know, first started here in Groton. And I went to a Chamber of Commerce event. I probably knew 20 people in the entire county. So nobody would have looked at me and be like, wow, you know, 20 people. You are a super connector right there, my friend. Wow, 20 people, geez. So I went to this event, walked in the door, and I knew zero people in the room. But the first person I talked to happened to be a realtor. And I talked to a few other people. And I started asking that connector question, which is, who can I introduce you to? There are different variations. Who can I introduce you to? Who are you looking to meet? Um, who would it, what's a good referral for you? Something like that. And the, th the third person, so this is the third person I knew in the room, 23 people in the county. I said, who are you looking to connect with? And he said, well, really, I'm, I'm trying to make connections with realtors. I said, realtors? Do you know that one over there? He said, no, no, I don't. I said, well, you, my friend, are about to come with me. So I walked into a room when I knew nobody. I introduced the first person to the third person. Boom, connection happened. He, of course, is thinking like, wow, what a connector. 
I asked him for something. He walked me across the room to the person I was looking for. Someone I just happened to meet. So it's having that mindset. And of course, in this story, I'm talking to strangers to meet them in the first place. You need to have some base to start from if you're going to do the, the don't talk to strangers strategy. But it's that everyone you talk to, you ask them, who can I introduce you to? How can I provide value? And most people have someone they're looking for, whether it's someone they need to hire or someone who knows their clients or someone who's a good strategic partner or whatever it is. Most people in business should know someone they want to meet. And then it's simply a matter of once you have that, that's your mission. So if there wasn't a realtor in the room, then I might've gone to the 20 people I knew. Be like, okay, is there a realtor in that group? And if there's not, start asking them, reach out to them. I use Facebook for this all the time. If somebody asks me for some, someone I don't know, because I know a lot of people, but there's like two and a half billion people in the English speaking world. It got real big when I went online. So I'll often go on Facebook and say, hey, does anyone know a, you know, a, a real or a, an estate attorney in Delaware? That's one that came up. Um, you know, they had a family issue in Delaware. They need an attorney in Delaware because attorneys are state specific. And so I was able to get them, you know, get them a connection through. I don't think I was able to get a direct connection, but I gave them enough of a lead because most times people are like, I don't even know what I'm looking for, let alone you know, so let alone how to find them. So I was able to give them enough information. They were able to go forward and get their problem solved. But but very often I can just go on Facebook and say, does anyone know A? And it's reaching out to my whole network. But it's all about that mindset of I'm going to create these solutions and I want to help. Um, and then realizing that someone I know knows someone who can solve this problem, whether it's through an introduction or doing it themselves. And once you set that mindset, then you can start making those connections and the magic happens. I love it. And you've mentioned mindset and connector a few times. It seems like it's important to keep front and center in your mind that you are connecting people with the idea that you're connecting people, not doing it to keep score or not doing mm -hmm. it for what comes to you in the back end. How, how have you taught that and how have you seen that go wrong in practice, either with yourself or with others? Because I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. Well, yes. So, so not keeping score is easy for me. I mentioned the ADHD thing. So like systems, processes, all that. I need to try really hard to keep track of things. And so when it's important, I do. Like I have a spreadsheet of who I make introductions to. I came up with that idea a month ago. I've been doing this since 2014. A month ago, I was like, you know what? I should probably write this stuff down. Uh, so keeping score was, was never a, never something I worried about. It's too much trouble. And in some ways I'm, I'm, I like to say I'm blessed. Like age is some of my superpower. I can't keep score because I can't remember who I make introductions to. It'll happen all the time. And I find it hilarious whenever it does. I'll get an email from someone, a Facebook message from someone, and they'll say, thank you so much for that introduction. You know, I got the job and now I'm working for them or, or we got the deal or this great thing happened. And I'm thinking, I don't remember you and I don't remember the person I introduced you to, but I'm so glad it worked out. I, I don't know if you see the movie Mastermind where he's like, I love you, random citizen. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that. I'm like, well, I, you're welcome. You, glad I could help. But it's it's about not keeping score and that's, e that's easy. You're just pushing good into the universe. Now, the place it goes wrong is, this is another chapter in my book, is monetization makes the world go round which is written for an audience of one, this guy right here, because I have made so much money for other people. I would estimate at this point, hundreds of thousands. I don't know if it's crossed into seven figures yet, but it's certainly on its way there. 
But I've made it's a sizable amount. I've made a lot of money for other people that I got zero percent of. And it doesn't matter how much your volume is when you're when your uh, percentage is zero. But I was just you know trying to be good and to help, and that that did some of it came back. Uh, I got some clients for the magazine I was publishing from that. I got some sales when I was doing the printing, um, but it was not not meaningful. It was not in proportion to what I was doing and how much I was helping other people, which I'm not bitter about. I'm not like, I want mine, but you know, it's kind of tough to be working hard and like struggling and driving Uber on the weekends to cover the bills while I'm making other people get them jobs. And you know, I'm introducing other people to jobs that pay more than what I was making. Uh, and it's made me a really good person. And I felt great about that, but you cannot take karma to the bank. Uh, and that's that's why I, over the last year, you know, really dove into figuring out where is my monetization? You know, how can this be a business? How can I turn this into something? That's where I really came up with the, the networking concierge because I discovered whatever I tried to do, I just networked more. You know, I tried to be a coach and a course creator, but I didn't have time to really create the courses because I was too busy networking. I'd just be doing more one-to-one -one meetings, go to more events and be like, oh, I don't have time to record these videos or I'd record them. I don't have time to edit them because I'm too busy networking. And I finally realized if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to stop networking. It's an addiction and not what I need, not what I intend to break. So I better find a way to make that the business. And sure enough, you know, there's, if, if you're in the right spaces, that can be a thing. Um, but for, for most people listening, they probably have some sort of job skill business. You know, they're a realtor, they're a mortgage broker, they're an insurance agent, they're, you know, an attorney, whatever. Um, and so if you have that monetization path, then the payback of the networking is you do good into the world and you help as many people as you can. And they're going to think you're a pretty cool guy or pretty cool gal because you're doing all this good. And eventually they're going to say, how can I help you? And you hopefully know who you need to meet to make money and build your business. And so when they say, how can I help you? You tell them and they help you. And that's how it works for, you know, most people who aren't who don't network like I do. That's probably why I got away from like trying to coach and teach networking uh, until I had the inspiration of the networking without talking to strangers idea. But before that, I'm like, no, I don't want to teach people to do what I do. Nobody else should do what I do. I do it too much. I do it full time. Nobody else should be networking full time unless they want to be a full time connector, um, which is its own, you know, its own special thing. So I finally realized like, I don't want to teach anyone to be me. I'm me. I need to sell me. And that was kind of the, that, that, that was my big, um, big innovation uh, epiphany is actually as helped by a, a, another podcaster named Phil Palucha, who does the Billionaires and Boxers podcast. He was the one who pointed out that introductions are a business themselves. There's people who pay for introductions. And I was like, oh, all right, that's it. Let's go find this. And that was two and a half months ago. And now I got four clients. So there you go. That's yep. uh, so talking about the evolution of how this has gone from something in person to leveraging technology to mm -hmm. your full-time business now couple two questions here what does your day-to-day -day look like and where do you see this going in the future um so most of what i do is is i'm i'm still doing what i'm doing you know networking going to networking events of different kinds i'm going to higher and higher quality networking events you know more targeted not just random people getting together uh almost all virtual uh, almost all online because then I can meet people all over the world. But now a lot of my focus is I sift all the people I meet for which of my clients they need to be connected to. That's the idea. You know, I'm, I'm not selling 
So, you know, when you sell, sell something, you know, you're selling basic concepts, you're selling money, you're selling time, you're selling freedom or happiness, you're selling satisfaction, you're selling staying out of jail, you're selling something like that. And a lot of people think as a network concierge, I'm selling money, right? I'm selling deals, but really I'm selling time because anyone I work with knows how to network. They could do it themselves at the time, but I'm doing it for them because they either don't have the time or the inclination to go to a two-day virtual summit and meet people or to go to a hour and a half networking event at seven o'clock in the evening or to do 31 to ones during the course of the week. So I do all that. And then every person I meet, I, in the course of talking to them, figure out how I can help them and everything. I, always the front of my mind is this checklist of all my clients. Do they need to meet this one? Do they need to meet this one? Do they need to meet this one? Do they need to do this one? Um, or because they're my clients. And obviously when you pay me, your interests come first because that's how business works. Um, does my client, does client number one need to meet them? Does client number two need to meet them? Does client number three need to meet them? And I always go through that. So for my clients, instead of them having to have 30 meetings during the week, they might get three or four introductions from me. Because I say, these are the three or four that meet the criteria of who you've told me you want to meet. So they can, they can just meet the ones they want. One way I described is, is I kiss all the frogs and introduce them to the princes. Professional frog kissing. That's my That's job. It's a wonderful visual. Yeah. So who's a good client for you now? Um, so my clients are, are all uh, higher, higher income. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but uh, higher revenue. Uh, so they're generally six, seven figure uh, businesses. A lot of coaches, course creators. Uh, some are, are in the investing um, real estate development space. But they are people for whom one introduction could be worth tens of thousands or more dollars, uh, either because they do a partnership, say, for a summit or a webinar swap and they can share audiences, uh, or because that introduction could lead to an investment or a uh, development opportunity. Um, and I, I originally had niched kind of into the, into the coach space and then realized it's all one space at that level. So I was working with a coach and he's like, oh yeah, I also do investments. And so anyone who can invest in those, I'd be interested in, or anyone needs investment, I mean, oh, okay. They're just, it's all one, it's all one, uh, one community up there. So it, it's people in that space for whom an introduction would be valuable, who know how to network. So I don't want to work with anyone who's like networking. I've never done that before and don't understand it because then they'll think I'm a magical wizard and expect magical results. I want people who know what I'm doing and could totally do it themselves and just don't want to, because then they have a nuanced idea of what networking is and what I'm going to bring them. Um, and, you know, also people for whom, uh, for, for whom they're able to, to pay my fees. It's not a massive investment for them. It's just like, oh yeah, I'll give that a shot and I can give them good results and they're happy to stick around. I never want I, I'm not comfortable with either as a coach or as a networking concierge ever having someone, you know, take out a loan to pay my fees because that's too much pressure on me. I don't want someone to be like, well, I don't, I don't have your fees, but let me go borrow it. And, and I think, I think you'll help me earn it back. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think I'm pretty good, but I don't know. that. Good. I, I just don't want that kind of pressure. But so I work with people who are in such a place that, um, you know, my, my retainer is not, is not overwhelming. Uh, and then with most of them, there's, there's some kind of uh, percentage. Cause you know, if I, introduce someone and they make a million dollar deal, you know, I'd like to get at least enough for a good dinner out of it. That makes sense. And I want to highlight a point that you made about the, your clients and what they're hiring you to do. And I think it's 
talks a lot about the way the economy has shifted over the last few years and will continue to shift mm-hmm. is that they can do what you're doing. Yep. But your expertise can do it perhaps in less time, can do it more efficiently, and it frees them up to do something else that they can that they either deem more valuable or they can do in addition to. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's the key that you're providing a service that may not be something that they can't do or something that they have not valued, just something that they need uh, your expertise for, and they can do something in addition to. Uh, yep. So I've rambled there, but I think that's a really well, important it, point that you made. And I, actually, actually, I take that point a little further for anyone else who's listening, because sometimes people say, well, you know, why would someone want to hire me? Because I'm, I'm only okay at what I do. I'm not, I'm not amazing. You know, you should, people should ideally be doing their highest value activity at any given time. So if you're really good at uh, speaking and analyzing deals, for example, those are your two strengths. You should spend almost all your time speaking and analyzing deals. If you're doing a spreadsheet or writing a report or closing a deal or uh, networking or whatever, your time could be better spent doing the thing you're really good at. So it makes sense. You know, you could be a great writer, but writing is not the thing you're amazing at. You're just quite good at it. You should still hire a copywriter because you should hire the person for whom writing is the thing they're best at. You can pay them. So an amount that they'll be happy with, but an amount that you're comfortable with because, you know, you might be paying them 50 bucks an hour, but your time's worth 250 bucks an hour if you're doing the thing you're really good at. And then everybody wins. And so for the people out there who are listening, who are like, you know, I'm not sure where my niche is, where I fit in, whatever it is. What is the thing that you are best at where your best is better than someone else's okay? Uh, and, and this is kind of the flip side of income maldistribution. You know, income clumps up in our economy. There's some people who have a lot more money than other people. But those people who have the money are happy to spend it because they may have a million dollars, but they still have 168 hours in the week. So they will use their money to buy back their time. So if you can do a thing that will take something off their plate, they will happily give you what might seem like a shocking amount of money to do something that you think is really easy and possibly even they think it's really easy, but it takes their time. You know, maybe a, a video editing, for example. Once you know how to video edit, it's not that hard to do. It's just a skill. Anyone could do it. You know, any high school kid can learn how to video edit. And so maybe someone was really good at it. They built their business. Now it's six figures or seven figures. They shouldn't be doing video editing themselves anymore. They should have a team of people who do that for you. They should be making deals. They should be finding big clients. They should be, you know, the face of the company and not actually down there in the trenches. So you might be able to take that down in the trenches role and they might be willing to pay you, you know, what to you is a massive amount of money and what to them is eh, pretty reasonable. You know, I know how important this work is and how hard it is. I used to do it myself. And uh, yeah, sure. 50 bucks an hour seems totally reasonable for that. You're skilled. Yeah. Um, where, you know, meanwhile, you just you were just making $17 an hour at the Amazon warehouse and video editing on the weekends. So uh, th- there's there's a lot of opportunities there. If you find the people who have uh, who who have the money, they can they are willing to pay if you can provide them value. Thank you for illustrating that point better th- than I could. I appreciate that. We are coming up on time, though. I did have two quick questions I need to ask you. The first is who would be a good introduction for you now? A great introduction now would be 
anyone who knows how to monetize an introduction. So especially people who um, work in the joint venture space. So people who have uh, court, uh, who are coaches, course creators, and who know how to team up with others who have audiences, uh, either to promote their products or to have them promote their products. Uh, and then also I'm uh, in, in the real estate investing space, whether it's people with money to put into deals or people with deals looking for money. Um, and likewise, the business investing, I'm also finding, again, it all kind of blurs together once you get to a certain level. Um, so people there are the ones I'm able to provide a lot of value for and make some really good connections for. Excellent. So listeners, if you have anybody that fits that criteria, send them Michael's way. And Michael, how can our listeners find you? So they can go to my website, guywhonowsaguy.com. And actually, if they go there, right at the top, they can put in their information. They can get a copy of my Power 5 Networking Tips, which I took my entire book and distilled it down into one page. Uh, so they can learn, learn about there. And there's also a little button on the side to contact me in a couple different ways. Very nice. We'll have all that in the show notes. Michael, thank you for joining us this week. You are a wealth of information and your story is amazing. So thank you for sharing. And we look forward to next time. Thank you. It's been fun to be on here and you're a great host. You got it. Take care. <laughs>